I'm Gina Pickering. Archaeologist Fiona Hook and her team from Archaeos have played a key role in locating and identifying valuable cultural artefacts around the wetlands. Initial discoveries of chert, quartz and charcoal proved human habitation and challenged government moves delisting Aboriginal heritage sites in the wetlands corridor. In this episode, we hear about the original digs and the sheer scale of cultural material uncovered by the archaeologists and traditional owners working together on the excavations. estimating that around these two lakes there's between 20 to 50 million artefacts beneath the ground which are at least 10,000 years old if not older which is like highly significant it means that this was a place that was visited a lot over that amount of time. I think it was a beautiful site. And I was thinking, well, no wonder the Noongars camped here because there was plenty of food source there also. The frogs and the snakes. Everything that lived in the swamp, so it was a really good place for Noongar people to camp. Nice and cool, plenty of trees, so a nice place. I think about the Noongars that lived in this area, probably even my own family, and relatives lived around here. My name is Betty Garlett. I am an elder and a traditional owner of Wajak land, and I monitored the archaeologist process around the wetlands. So the most significant findings, one is just the scale of the artefacts that you're st currently standing on. So we did 27 shovel test pits and we did two open area excavations of a metre by a metre. Of those shovel test pits that we dug, 70% had artefacts in them and these shovel test pits are tiny and quite spread apart. So that basically means that every three shovel test pits will have material in it and that depth. My name is Fiona Hook. I led the archaeological excavations at Wylabup, Bibra and Kubalup North Lakes. The second thing is that the deposits that are underneath our feet are intact. They've got what we would call as archaeologists, they've got stratigraphic integrity. It means that the things closer to our feet where we're standing are younger than the things that are deeper. And then the third thing is that we've proven that there's so much material here and that it's at least 10,000 years old using the dating techniques that we've got. There's a perception that when you're in a natural environment um, is that it's unpeopled 
and archaeology and the type of work that we've been doing shows that this has actually been a peopled landscape for a very, very long time and it's a reminder that no matter where you are in Perth or in WA, is that you have the potential that you're walking over tens of thousands of years of history. The most surprising thing was just to find how intact the deposit was beneath our feet. The archaeological site was deregistered because it was said it was disturbed and we've proven beyond doubt that it is actually not true and how undisturbed it is as a deposit. The dates and the depth run in pretty much like a vertical line which is like archaeology gold. <laughs> you don't get it very often and we've got it here. So the deeper you go, as you step down in depth, the age goes down, which means that the, the, the ground has built up slowly over time in a steady rate. Fiona gave me a call and I thought, well, why not? It's all part of our life experience to do something uh, different in monitoring and looking for uh, the little tools and whatever we needed to do. But, yeah, I was very excited. We were excavating while the protests were going on, the, right, and we were visible because we were on Hope Road. There was a really big community knowledge of what we were doing, and then when the results came out, we had that feedback too. And like we got heavied by the police while we were excavating, even though we weren't on the corridor. We had protesters coming up to protect us from the police while that was happening, so it was, it was very full on. Just to be in amongst such a supercharged um, environment, so there was a lot of feeling, lots of feelings and pressure on everybody. So when we found the first artefacts, it was so exciting. We were doing this work at the request of traditional owners. We had elders with us and young, younger um, Noongar people were excavating with us. It's good that the Wadjalas do come and get the traditional owners and elders of the country to work with them on that task because they're not sure what they're looking for. Well, we're not quite sure until we find it. The artefacts that we found at the bottom of the excavations that we've done um, are made of a, um, a stone called Fossiliferous Chert, which is like a flint, if anyone knows what flint is from the UK. So it's a hard stone that um, is really useful for stone tools. And that stone, the source of it is on the other side of Rocknest from where we are now. Um, and it was covered up um, when the sea, sea level stabilised at the end of the last ice age about seven and a half thousand years ago. So for Indigenous people of the Swan Coastal Plain, um, from the time that they got here at 50,000 years up until about seven and a half thousand years, that was the preferred stone tool material to use, so the preferred stone to make stone tools out of. 
it's really lovely. There's a lot of it. it makes really great big flakes um, that they can turn into other, other tool types. Then they lost, the Noongar people lost that stone source when the sea levels came up and so they recycled a lot of, of that stone for as long as they could and then they had to shift to a different stone source because um, there's no natural stone that can be used on the Swan Coastal Plain because it's sand and we've got limestone but limestone doesn't hold an edge very well so you want a hard stone. So the Noongar people had to shift at seven and a half thousand years ago to using quartz from the hills. And the issue with quartz, it's sharp, but the nodules are tiny. And so you can't make big stone tools out of tiny bits of quartz um, nodules. And to, to make stone tools out of tiny quartz nodules, the Noongar people had to completely change the way that they made stone tools. And so we have hundreds of those types of artefacts here um, when we're excavating and we've got woodworking tools and we've got tools for scraping and we've got tools for that would have been hafted in, in spears which are little, little kind of orange segments that are tiny that would have all been hafted in a long line, about six or seven of them up a spear or on a knife like a tart knife and so we have those here and we have the evidence of being, those being made here as well. It was a really good experience. We had a really good rapport with Fiona and the archaeologist. Noongar people like to have their say and they did talk about the problems in the wetlands. We had a yarn about that and we thought we were a bit disappointed because, you know, it's the wetlands and we need them and Noongar people camped around there and then they wanted to take a road through and destroy all that habitat. There was probably, I think, about ten of us. I know there was quite a few um, Aboriginal um, elders and traditional owners uh, doing the monitoring. And so we were looking for uh, all sorts of little things that related to um, if Aboriginal people lived there. We'd done the shovel test bits pro bono as part of the protests against the clearing of Row 8. And because of all of that work and the fact that we're in the media, we had our reports um, online. We put them up um, on the little website that I created. Because of that, when the Labor government came in and said, no, we're going to stop the Row 8 development, and they put money into rehabilitating the Row 8, there were the general public and the community that were involved in those negotiations with the government said, you need to include archaeology. We don't understand enough about what the archaeology is in this place, so you need funding in that package um, for archaeology. We did it for a few days in a row with the archaeologists, um, just brushing, looking, and if we found something, the archaeologists would share it around with us and we'd all have a look. Uh, 
At the time, I was a archaeology student. I was volunteering on the dig with Archaeos. Um, so my role was to help the archaeologists with both test pitting and excavation squares. I'd never been on an archaeological dig before, especially not an Aboriginal one, so being able to work with the traditional owners for the first time was absolutely marvellous. I remember the first time they let me in the excavation square and I started digging and we just started getting so many artefacts coming up, it was amazing. My name is Aisha Lim, I was a student archaeologist on the wetlands excavation. It was awesome, we found heaps in, in just the one square. It's just like every time you would dig, you'd have to stop and measure it and make sure everything was in order before you started again. I guess the surprise for me wasn't where we found it, it was how much we found. It's like when you look at the site, you're not really thinking about what's under the ground. And then you start digging and you start finding all of this evidence of human occupation. It's, yeah, it's incredible. They knew it was all here. They always have said it's all here. And so being able to bring them the, you know, the, the cold hard evidence that there was people here is, is great. Well, how old is Australia? And the world recognises the Noongar people are the first Indigenous people of the world. Bibra Lake's always been a like, meeting place for us to come down to. The archaeology, it places people into a landscape often when you can't see them. The evidence of people having been here, like, like in a bushland setting like this. So its importance is that it actually can show the general public and then it also cons confirms for the elders that we work for that they can then say, look at this evidence, this backs up what we've all been saying, is that places are highly significant in a cultural way, not just in an environmental way. What I'd like to see is further excavation and um, seeing how far we can actually go back. Special thanks to 10 News Perth,